Welcome to Preparing for Robots with your host, Dave Gerber. The future of technology and your place in the workplace are addressed here every week. Now, your host, Dave Gerber. Welcome, fellow humans. I'm Dave Gerber, your host of Preparing for Robots, and I'm so excited to kick off this episode of our international program here on Voice America's business channel. We have a great show lined up today and we have a very interesting guest. If this is your first time listening to the show, let me share some quick information. On Preparing for Robots, we have the opportunity to talk about the impact of all things digital on your personal, professional, business, and leadership future, everyone's future. And we will dive headfirst into this seemingly endless, all-encompassing, unknown digital revolution. I specialize in helping business leaders go after low-hanging fruit solutions to address costly pains associated with all types of organizational and personnel-related conflicts. Want to quantify how costly these conflicts are for your business? Go to conflictcalculator.com and you'll see the cost of human conflict. So I help businesses increase collaboration, save money, and generate revenue by harnessing conflict solutions. From consulting to coaching, training and facilitation, to multi-generational hybrid solutions. I provide business leaders and professionals answers to all types of people-related challenges. As we prepare for robots, humans are going to have to maximize their performance, increase their creative problem-solving skills, their conflict management abilities, and better adapt to the changing business landscape. We're talking about losing 50% of jobs in the next 10 years. What does this mean? My goal with this show is to help bring the discussion to life so that corporate boards and executives, leaders and professionals can better understand what is coming and what to consider. How do we help professionals become the best version of themselves to help our businesses prosper? We have to look at the digital world, simplify the conversation, and all be a part of the discussion. So I'm here to streamline complex digital subjects with the help of content experts. Let's hear what they want us to know in a way we can understand. We often don't pay attention because it becomes super technical and can even make our brain hurt, AI, AR, VR, all of it. And it's all crashing into us at the same time. How do we make sense of it? That's what this program is all about. We can help leaders from all different business industries consider the issues and then facilitate the discussion back within their organization. Let's get it started. Today, we're going to be talking about autonomous vehicles, your digital healthcare, and more. I'm excited to introduce our featured guest today, Dan Wasserman, who is a really nice guy. I know him personally. Uh, he's got serious expertise. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's the founder and CEO of Mammoth Health Innovation Incorporated. He's been involved with autonomous vehicles and the healthcare system. He built the first business dedicated to competitive intelligence. He co-founded a technology company dedicated to protecting creator rights as the entertainment industry transitioned from the analog to the digital world and a whole lot more. Welcome to Preparing for Robots, Dan. How are you today, sir? I'm great, Dave. And how are you? I'm, I'm fantastic. I'm so glad you're here. And as you know, we're here to talk about the impact of digital revolution on humans. So what are, you know, why is this important for leaders to be discussing this topic right now? Well, first of all, before we get into that, thanks again for inviting me. I'm, I'm really excited about this show. Um, the digital revolution has already taken place. We're already in it. Uh, as you said in your introduction, our brains hurt. Uh, and, and that's just the reality that we've got to face is, is that 
this has not been um, a sudden turnover. It's been very gradual. And in many ways, we have been able to cope. But the trouble is, is that we're at what's called um, an inflection point. I don't want to get technical, but basically, you hit a point where it seems like everything's cascading at once. And, and that's why business people have to be ready for what's that cascade means to them. Great. So, you know, where do you see then the integrate? And I appreciate your desire to keep it less technical because that's, I think, <clears throat> pardon me, one of the things we're trying to do on this show is simplify it for business leaders in all industries around the world and get them excited actually about uh, taking advantage of the, the, the conversation, you know, instead of seeing it as risk, seeing it as, pardon me, opportunity. So, where do you see the integration? of sort of all of these current buzzwords like robotics and artificial intelligence and blockchain and virtual reality and those things that sort of, you know, as you mentioned, as we both mentioned, can make people's brains hurt. What's the integration of this? You know, the simplest way to put that is think about our smartphones. And our smartphones are composed of a lot of, a lot hundreds of thousands of different things that went into them. Um, there's intellectual property on, on how they work. There's intellectual property on, um, on, on the different components, on the screens, on everything. All of those had to be developed at different points in time. And then they all converged. Um, and, you know, it's not always the first mover that, that gets the most or becomes the most it's the one that's the light bulb goes off and says, you know, if I put a really sensitive but strong glass screen on top of all these weird components and make it really thin and light, people can carry it in their pocket. And when and when they they want to look something up, it'll it'll connect to the internet. And and then if they want to, you know, make a dinner reservation because they're looking at a, at a restaurant review, they just tap on it. All that took a lot of uh, brain power and um, different things coming together. What we have now is the next generation of all that. And we have it where, and this is a big difference, the machine is actually going to do a good chunk of the thinking for us. Mm. So when we tap on that number, it knows that we are going to an Italian restaurant. It knows that we have three other people. It knows from different profiles how to put all that stuff together. And it knows that I want a bottle of Multipulciano di Berzo sitting on the table when I arrive. That's mm. the kind of stuff that we're, we're seeing. So, you know, I'm trying to keep it as, as least technical as possible, but put it in a way people can understand. Yeah, so the integration point really effectively is already in our hand. You know, it's really going to, it's about, we already have it in many ways. It's just going to get more and more advanced. And so it's going to impact sort of every user. Uh, and, and speaking of every user, it's one of the experiences that you, that you have. And one of the things you came to talk about on the show was the subject of autonomous vehicles, which I think is really interesting. And, and from talking to you, you know, one of the things that I learned and, and sort of, I guess, was reminded more so was that this is happening in levels, right? It's sort of an evolution and a jump. And I sort of think that it's very hard, and maybe it's just me, but it's very hard to think about what's going to be around 20 years from now 
because we don't know exactly 10 years from now and then have, as we've talked about on the show before, iterations, in this case, five more iterations of Moore's Law. I mean, we're talking sort of crazy, um, huge, very tough to get our, to wrap our, our head around. So when it comes to just thinking about something that everyone uses, like a cell phone, we talk about driving, we talk about autonomous vehicles, and we talk about the movement towards uh, actually taking humans uh, out of not only cars, but also planes. So let's just keep it simple and start about cars, since most of us aren't flying yet. <laughs> it's not quite the Jetsons. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> not, not yet. Right? You may not trust us uh, the behind the behind the the wheel of a plane, I guess. Right. So w- what's up with these autonomous vehicles? No, it's funny you say that. Before I get the cars, I was on the first 747 flight many many years ago. That was automatically landed. The pilot at the end of it said, "Ladies and gentlemen." Uh, let's have a round of applause because our plane just landed itself. So <laughs> it's sort of funny when you think about it. But let's get the cars. Cars are, are what we all have to deal with. And to put it in perspective, I have a 2014 Toyota product, and it's in for servicing right now. And um, the, the dealer is a multi vehicle type dealer and he actually gave me a, um, a Chevy Cruze, a 2018 Chevy Cruze as a loaner. You know, about the similar size to my car in that. But the thing is I get in the car and I look at the backup camera and it is so much more advanced than the one that I have in my 2014. Um, I, I, I'm driving down the highway and I'm sl- veering slightly to the left and I get beep, 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 beep. Um, and that I didn't, I don't have that in something that's just, you know, still a relatively new car. Those are the kinds of things that are just happening without us even thinking about it. Um, there's, there's so much technology that's gone in, even to the first, you said levels, there are levels, but the levels are happening so fast and behind the scenes. The funny thing is, is that up here in Toronto, Canada, there's, there's an ad on, on the radio, get a 2019 Toyota Corolla for the same price as a 2018. I'll bet you there's more technology in that 19 than 18, and they've kept the price constant. Hmm. What does that tell us? Hmm. That's very interesting. And I mean, that's definitely going to, that issue and what sort of struck me was, and I don't want to do, go in the rabbit hole with this, but, you know, think about when we talk about resale value, you know, once we have the standardized um, backup cameras in every car, who's going to want to buy a used car that doesn't have a backup camera? So, you know, we're talking about this issue shaking up multiple aspects of this. What about, you know, I think one of the things that people want to know is, you know, how long until um, they're calling an Uber and there's no driver? How long until um, they're, they get a package delivered and it, there's no driver? Like, talk to us a little bit. Simplify for us these levels of how you foresee autonomous vehicles playing out. Great question. Um, and not to be trite, I know Waymo's testing that right now today uh, where you can order what's effectively – Uh, a driverless car to come pick you up and take you from point A to point B. 
would I get in it? <laughs> Maybe not right now because I'm a little more concerned about the cars with drivers in them. But coming back to your question, which is a very fair question, um, and it's not a how high is up. There's two elements, and not to get too technical, there's the car and there's the infrastructure. And how those two evolve hand in hand. Think about what I said with the cell phone or with the smartphone. You got to have that smart screen tied to all the guts behind it. And those are not necessarily in lockstep, but they're pretty darn close right now. And it's a question of how, um, how close will they stay until there's the ultimate solution that is the truly uh, autonomous vehicle. So I'm not trying to dodge the question. Um, there, depending on which level we're talking about, there's actually some that are completely fulfilled at this point in time. Look at Tesla. Um, in spite of the whole kerfuffle about is it going to go private or state public. Sure. And if you look at Tesla, you can see they, they really are pretty darn close to a, a truly driverless car. And it's interesting because you look at <clears throat> companies like Uber, right, mm -hmm. who are actually talking about, in some ways, having drone, air, air drones carrying humans before they're talking about getting rid of humans driving cars. I mean, Uber's talking about in 2020, you know, already having this. And you can see there are multiple companies that are looking into this technology. Uh, so it's amazing. And I think probably one of the reasons why you can't answer it is because it's happening so fast, but yet there's also these sort of gaps where it's like uh, peaks and plateaus and then boom, 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 like an EKG machine almost, right? Yeah, uh, and that's that's a good analogy, which is is there are peaks and troughs and, and different spikes and uh, plateaus. I, I think one thing to keep in mind is is concept of lowest hanging fruit and which ones are um, easily picked and the consumers will respond and respond positively and which ones uh, are more difficult. The Uber example with regards to, to drones is another whole discussion because there's lots going on in that field. So let's, let's park that for the time sure, being. Sure. Let's stay a little more focused on cars. And cars, we've got two elements. We technically have a third element, which is the whole theme of, of this piece, which is the human. There's a fear factor. There's many more drivers on the road than there are uh, people qualified to fly planes and drones. Um, and, and how many of those do we really trust? And, and what environment do we trust them in? Mm. In the middle of winter, um, mm. and, and you're in the D.C. area, you know what it's like when that black ice comes in and you get drivers that have come from all around the world because of the various embassies that are, that are in, in the, the capital and that, and they don't know how to drive. Or you get the school buses out in um, Loudoun County that they have to close the schools because the buses in the hillier area can't drive. Well, what are you going to do if you've got a car out there in that environment that's autonomous with nobody driving it mm. and it starts to slide? So we're really talking about, you know, two years, five years, 10 years, and depending on what the function is of the driver, 
will probably determine, you know, what we're doing. I mean, we look at garbage trucks, the garbage truck right now comes up the street, it reaches an arm out, it grabs the trash, it throws it away, the arm goes away, and the only person who's actually in there is now the driver. Right. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to mention, I mentioned another show, a statistic, which I heard, which is interesting, is that the number one job for U.S. men is truck driving. So when we talk about, you know, driverless vehicles and then moving from cars and Uber to then being a semi and now a semi on black ice, like you talked about, uh, we're probably talking about what, 10 years, 15 years before the computer can take in all the data of the road and, of a semi truck. Um, is it, was that, well, you know what, let's hold off on that thought. We're going to come back in a minute or two here and I'll, I'll pick up with that. Also, I want to talk about your other specialty, which is healthcare. All right, so let's do this. Um, it's time to take a break to hear the important messages from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to dive back into this fascinating subject, talk about, as I said, more on autonomous vehicles. We'll talk about healthcare, going to the doctor, how this may change, how it's going to change for businesses. This is exciting stuff. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Learn more about Dave's keynote speaking and podcasts, Preparing for Robots, The Conflict Healer, and Pre-Marriage Questions. Check any of your normal podcast sites, his LinkedIn page, and his websites, DaveGerber.com, DaveGerber.info, and PreparingForRobots.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path, but how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Synergy development and training helps leaders maximize human performance with standardized conflict management and professional development solutions in order to increase retention, save money, and generate revenue. Go to SynergyDT.com and use the conflict calculator to learn about your organization's human conflict costs and find out what our training programs can help you do about it. That's SynergyDT.com to learn more. Or email Dave Gerber questions and thoughts to questions at SynergyDT.com. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on The Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. 
You are listening to Preparing for Robots with Dave Gerber. If you have a question or comment about the show, Dave welcomes your comments by email to questions at synergydt.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you are listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. We are here with our international audience and my very knowledgeable guest, Dan Wasserman. Dan, when we went to break, we were talking about self-driving cars, trucks, etc. And so what I want to talk about or what I want to ask you to talk about briefly before we look at your other expertise is can you just share with us what's the impact of self-driving cars on businesses uh, in the next five to ten years? That is an excellent question because the whole theme of this is business-oriented. We have to look at it from a couple of different points of view. Number one is from the car manufacturers. How is this going to impact the car manufacturers if people don't need as many cars? And the cars are going to last longer. I mean, that's the implication. If there's somebody that, if there's a system self-driving it, self-diagnosing it, self-determining um, the lifespan of it, um, the likelihood the cars are going to last longer. So the car companies are going to be impacted. You don't need to have a car in every driveway. You need a car on demand. Mm. If the car is on demand, how many do you really need? I mean, (laughs) to be trite, um, how many, uh, you need more women's washrooms than men's washrooms at a big uh, stadium. Um, But it's on demand. It's on on how, how you determine that. The same for cars. So that's going to impact the auto industry. The next is, is, um, how does it impact, because we do see it with Uber in that, the car driving industry, everything from taxis through to limousines, etc. Do we even need that anymore? Because it's going to be on demand. So there's, there's that. To go back to what you said before about semi-drivers. You're right. There is a significant shortage. I keep seeing ads and hearing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard government um, ads as well with regards to retraining for, for semi-drivers and that um, what happens when the big Tesla semi winds up on the road and it's autonomous and those jobs start to evaporate really, really quickly because it'll be cheaper to operate a vehicle that you don't have to have a $100,000 a year body in there. Absolutely. So, and I know that this is a tough subject. It's tough for people to make predictions, but I think it helps us to, you know, part of what we want to do with this show is we want to encourage business leaders and professionals to go back to the round table and start to just think about and talk about what is going to be the impact on their business. And so, you know, whatever their business product or service is, somebody is doing something related to driving. Right. And so if they're not looking at that and looking at how how that's going to impact fuel, how that's going to impact personnel, how it's going to impact insurance, how it's going to impact some of these things, then they're probably not looking at a piece of their business that they want to start to look at now. So with that, though, I think another piece of, of business that's important to look at, and it's something that impacts everyone, right, employees at every level from the board all the way down uh, is healthcare. And so, you know, one of your passions and, and your background is in, is in healthcare. So talk to us, you know, how is this digital revolution going to impact healthcare for businesses? Um, in many ways. 
and and that's the that's the reality. First of all, with vehicles, um, you'll have fewer accidents, which means fewer people off because of motor vehicle accidents. I mean, something where they start to overlap that that is a health consideration. You're not going to have rear ending accidents, so you're not going to have people in braces and going off for physical therapy. Um, but I guess so if you're talking 10 years from now, you're talking about self-driving vehicles, you're talking about getting rid of DUIs and death related from alcohol and drugs then too, right? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> the vehicle itself, it, it will not be drinking alcohol unless it's a fuel. <laughs> so, so talk, so talk about talk about with respect to the healthcare that with businesses in the sense that you know, one of their big costs is going to be healthcare costs. It is healthcare costs, and is going to continue to be healthcare costs. How does how does this digital impact those types of costs? From the health perspective, uh, well, the cost is the health insurance, and if you have fewer demands on the health insurance then the cost of that insurance should go down, which affects the insurance company because they don't want that to go down. Um, the people themselves can be healthier. And, uh, and again, there's a whole side of, now here I'm not, I won't get technical, but we know we hear about wearables, Internet of Things, um, and managed health. Well, for the first time through what are effectively a form of robotics, um, we're going to potentially make people healthier. We're going to impact their healthy lifestyles and make them healthier, which again can reduce the cost of insurance and improve the physical attendance of the people at work. So let's assume that employees um, in droves decide to get super healthy and because they have all these devices. That's, uh, as you've talked about in some ways, is cost cutting and cost savings, you know, in many ways for businesses. But where are businesses going to have to look at the rise in costs that are associated with health uh, now that the digital impact will be happening? Big one's going to be boredom. You're still going to have to incentivize. You're still going to have to motivate people. And that um, if you make it too uh, controlling, and that the, the humans are going to have less work to do and not be stimulated unless we turn that on its head and we find ways to get involvement. So, so that's going to be an impact. So before we even talk about involvement, what about this psycho, you know, and I plan on, I'm trying to get a psychologist to come on and talk about this stuff. I have my own background in, he, in some healing work that I can talk through, but you know, effectively, what do the psychologists say about the impact of all things digital before we get to boredom? You know, when we talk about the this issue progressing forward and more and more technology and now, you know, you're sitting next to a robot, what's the impact of that with respect to healthcare costs? Good question. Um, and it's one that I don't think we've really come to grips with as yet. Um, I think the real the real issue is, is that there's an adjustment factor when you're sitting next to a robot or you're using a robot. Um, there's a psychological factor. I have to agree with regards to, am I going to lose my job to a robot? And if so, how am I going to take care of my family? 
And that causes stress, and stress is a health issue, a major health issue. Um, it can also cause drinking um, or, or drugs. So those are all direct impacts from a health perspective uh, on this. The other side is, is that treatment is changing, as we well know, through robots and robotics. The Da Vinci um, robotics surgical suite is now pretty much universal throughout North America. It's making huge impacts in, uh, in Europe. Um, third world countries are looking for uh, less expensive solutions, and I'm seeing more and more innovations in that area. So there are things we're starting to take for granted with regards to robots um, in health. Now, are there any kind of, you know, neat uh, pieces of technology that you've seen recently that you can share with us? Because I know that with respect to like robotic surgery actually started, as I understand, because they wanted to be able to do surgery in space, right, with with, uh, astronauts so they could actually do surgery there you know, and not need a human to perform it. So now that we're on earth, right, and they're using robotic surgery, what other kinds of things are you seeing? I mean, I've seen 3D printing bones. I've seen organically growing organs. Like, what's on the horizon for us as far as these issues? Because that's going to affect um, how long employees can can work. Can they work longer? People are living longer. Uh, all those things. What are your thoughts? There's... There's my thoughts and there's the reality. The reality is, as you've already said, a lot of this stuff is already well underway. I've seen some phenomenal uh, technologies over the past, I'd say, let's narrow it down to the past six months and a number of really interesting uh, announcements. Um, the genome, it's, it, it, if you look at the genome and the whole aspect of DNA, it's the fact that we've got machines in the background that can do the heavy lifting that are giving us the opportunity to see how to take those proteins that make up DNA, switch them around and make us healthier. But it's the machines in the background. It's, it's not, not something that um, we're physically doing in the foreground as human beings. So that's where, again, robotics come in because they can do those calculations over and over and over and over and over, not bust their brains doing it and give us results that we can work with. Is there anything that you think business leaders and professionals need to be circling the wagons to talk about with respect to how the digital movement is going to impact healthcare and their businesses? Yes, absolutely. Um, some that we've already talked about, but I think more importantly, if you're in the health industry, if you're running a hospital group, if you're uh, in the insurance uh, side of the equation, um, even if you're government, you've got to look at all these things and, and look down range and start circling the wagons and say, okay, um, what are the cost benefits? And if we lower the cost of insurance and costs to the, to the users, um, what are we going to get out of this? Are we going to get healthier people um, that are then going to have psychological problems that are then going to turn to drugs or other things? Um, that's one negative outcome. The positive outcome is, is that, 
hey, we're all healthier. We can do more things. We can, we can do more entertaining um, things because of our health. We can do them longer. We can be with our families more and in a very positive way. Um, those are all really positive. But if we're going to circle the wagons, it's going to be, okay, how do we handle all of this inside our establishment? Is AI and digital going to, in your opinion, make more jobs uh, than take more jobs in the health industry in the next 10 to 15 years? It's going to change the job mix. That's where the difference is. The bottom line is we have throughout North America a significant shortage of doctors. The primary care uh, MDs, um, we've got a lot of, uh, we also have shortages in other elements uh, and components of the medical profession. Um, and either we're going to have intelligent machines taking the place of some of the things that we're doing, which will help reduce costs, or we're going to train more and better efficient and um, with more experience, but learned earlier because of machines as far as, uh, as, far as uh, medical support goes. So all those have a direct impact. Now, real quickly, uh, what do you think is sort of on the horizon for the next big thing, real quickly, uh, with medicine? Again, I come back to the genome more than anything else because it, it, the breakthroughs that are taking place in cancer, uh, the breakthroughs that are taking place in, um, in diseases, worldwide diseases, most of those can be attributed to the fact that we can get inside um, and again, because of machines and because of AI, um, et cetera, and get in and change the, um, the DNA makeup um, and, and customize for, for the condition and get a positive result. And the FDA has been working big time on making these things happen faster. So we better also as a society start to have even more discussions and get more people engaged into the ethics side of what, what's going to happen with this technology because now when we have the ability to, you know, choose eye color, hair color, uh, potentially athleticism, uh, all right. of these types of things, we have to look at, you know, how do we not get fall for trying to create some superior race? Um, and, and what are the, what are the human fallibilities? What are the problems in the thinking of the people that are actually leading the charge on this. Take about a minute and share your thoughts on what I, should, what I said. Well, the thing is we don't want an overbearing government on one hand, and we don't want um, uh, a, a population that's everybody's identical. So somewhere in between, we have to be able to be healthier, take advantage of that health, and, and enjoy our lives. That's what I think. All right, it's time to take a break to hear important messages from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to continue this discussion. We're also going to look at, hey, what do we need to be focused on as business leaders and what's going to be the ripple effect when government is focused mostly on innovation? It'll give us a little bit of time to do our lightning round questions that I like to ask every guest that comes on the show. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you're listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Learn more about Dave's keynote speaking and podcasts, Preparing for Robots, The Conflict Healer, and Pre-Marriage Questions. Check any of your normal podcast sites, his LinkedIn page, and his websites, DaveGerber.com, DaveGerber.info, and PreparingForRobots.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path, but how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Synergy Development and Training helps leaders maximize human performance with standardized conflict management and professional development solutions in order to increase retention, save money, and generate revenue. Go to SynergyDT.com and use the conflict calculator to learn about your organization's human conflict costs and find out what our training programs can help you do about it. That's SynergyDT.com to learn more. Or email Dave Gerber questions and thoughts to questions at SynergyDT.com. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on The Voice America Business Channel. Find out what's happening on The Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Preparing for Robots with Dave Gerber. If you have a question or comment about the show, Dave welcomes your comments by email to questions at SynergyDT.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dave Gerber, and you are listening to Preparing for Robots on the Voice America Business Channel. We're here with our international audience and my very knowledgeable guest, Dan Wasserman. Dan when we were talking over the break, one of the things that you mentioned real briefly uh, was this subject of drones. And so when we hear about drones, we don't necessarily think about healthcare. Can you connect those two for us? Sure. Uh, this week, there was a major announcement by Merck and a few others that they're going to start testing using drones in remote areas to deliver uh, medicines. That's actually old news in a way because I was at the uh, health informatics um, conference back in uh, March of this year and we had the CEO from Zipline talking about his drone business in Africa. And what's amazing is, is the fact that in a couple of African countries, they have become the de facto provider of blood and blood products to all the hospitals throughout the country. 
the hospitals are very primitive, remotely distributed, and the biggest single problem that they face is is um, uh, mother mortality at birth uh, or mm. giving birth. And the reason is, is hemorrhaging. And if you can't get the blood there within 30 to 45 minutes, you're going to lose the mother of a, of a newborn. And, and what can be more tragic than that? So Zipline came up with a solution whereby it's basically 90 odd percent off the shelf, but they made it autonomous where these oversized model planes are launched by a slingshot. They fly their course, which is the autonomous part of it. They drop the blood within the size of a a two parking spot target at the hospital. They turn around, come back. They've got a little hook off the back of the tail that snags a wire and they flop into a bouncy castle. Wow. That saves lives. That's autonomous. That's health, it all, and it's drones all put together. So that's that's fascinating. And as you talked about it, it sort of struck me that it would have battlefield um, usage as well, right? So you've got people, soldiers who need blood on the battlefield that you could probably cross over with similar technology, right? Absolutely. They're actually testing it in remote part of remote parts of California because of. Uh, fires, floods, etc., and and you just can't get into some of those places. So that's their first domestic test. So when I heard this announcement or read this announcement with regards to Merck, I said, "Yes, the big guys are getting into it." Yeah, and I mean, and you can see, and one of the things we've talked about with these subjects today is they're independent, but they also cross over. Here's another crossover: so autonomous flight vehicles that can be used to go and drop medicine, but also we'll get to that point where we're now humans are being loaded onto them, right. And being flown back to uh, hospitals, you know, regardless of maybe where they're located uh, in the, in the, some kind of a desert or uh, isolated place. What do you think about that? Uh, it's on the horizon. It's, it's going to be a while before we actually have drones flying people, which is what we talked about in the first segment. Um, that's still a little ways away. But on the other hand, the FAA is far more organized in many ways than the DOT. The DOT is every state has its own um, mm-hmm. DMV and DOT, whatever it is. And, and you got to conform state by state. Just look at the interstate system and what Eisenhower went through to get that put through. But it, it's something we rely on as far as uh, cars in this day and age. Um, the FAA, on the other hand, has the whole United States, in fact, the whole world. So if you can conform to FAA rules and fly within their airspace, what, you've basically got 50% of it covered right there. Yeah, which I would think, and we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I would think the FAA, the FAA is starting to think about almost like how are we going to go vertical? You know, how, how, you know what, what levels, altitudes – you know, small drones, human-sized drones, all that, right? Absolutely. Good buddy of mine, before I moved back to Canada from, from the D.C. area, uh, was working on some preliminary uh, concepts with regards to that because even though drones were just sort of on the, on the drawing board and they were 99% military at that point in time, um, look how things have evolved since then. So somebody has to be thinking about it. But on the other hand, we've, we've got the infrastructure in place to communicate with the planes, et cetera. 
If you watch, you know, Flight Aware or any of those, if you've got somebody and, and you're tracking a flight, you see all the different waypoints along the way that the, the aircraft checked in and, and you've got the complete log. So you've got something for a drone to follow. We don't have that for cars yet. Hmm. Interesting. So as we talk about this, this digital subject with these some subtopics like cars and flying, et cetera, what about what, what companies, what countries and what companies can people look to as models for how they can start to be thinking about digital in their own businesses? Depends on the segment. So if we're looking at cars, we know um, the United States definitely are testing throughout the United States. Uh, We know that uh, up in um, the Scandinavian countries, they're testing cold weather. Up in northern Canada, they're testing cold weather as well. Um, In Israel, they've got a lot of the communication package uh, worked out. So those are, those are some of the big areas with, with regards to cars. With regards to planes, uh, again, I'd say United States and Israel are probably the two that are, are furthest ahead. Um, and there's various companies within both that, that are working on uh, the aircraft side. Uh, health, again, um, a lot of the EU countries now, uh, Spain, um, the UK, um, Ireland, uh, Israel again, um, and obviously the United States. Now, I'm not ignoring China, and I'm not ignoring Russia or Brazil. There are innovations, um, and definitely India as well, you know, the BRIC countries. Uh, there, are, there are innovations in those countries as well. They're not me too. They're, they're independent. Um, but again, in many cases, targeted more closely to their indigenous uh, societies and, and people. Okay, perfect. So when we think about the United States, for example, uh, let's talk about, and, and you can talk about any country if it's applicable because we're an international show, but what's, what's the impact of government, our government or other governments when they're solely focused on innovation? I know that was something you wanted to talk about. What are your thoughts on that? I've been to a lot of countries over the past five years, and the one thing that's really struck me, considering I came back to Canada eight years ago and got directly involved right from the get-go with one of our innovation centers and now created another one, and I'm in the process of actually uh, about to start on building another accelerator. So, you know, really into that fabric. And wherever I visited, invariably you wind up picking up the business page and you start reading about what's going on in the country and everybody's targeted on innovation and innovation is great. um, But it only goes so far. You still have to go the next step. You still have to have the capital. You have to be able to take the risk. um, And, and in many cases you've got to be able to realize that, it's building a company around an innovation that makes it successful, whether it's a company that is only in existence for a short while, but they, they get a, a really good, what's called an exit. They, they sell out IPO, initial public offerings, especially in health, are extremely rare. Um, and in fact, across the board are extremely rare. So it's mostly merger and acquisition that, that these companies exit with. But they've got to be 
position to do that. And that means that they've got to be going after sales. They got to, they got to get on that sales track as early as possible um, after they validated their technology and build. And build, you know, one of the things that you talked about early on was not waiting around. I thought of that analogy, that boiling the frog analogy, you know, it's like how to boil a frog for most, for people who don't know how to boil a frog, you, you can't throw a frog into, into boiling hot water. It will just bounce off. It'll spring off. But if you put the frog in the, in the water and you gradually heat it up, when the frog decides it's time to jump, it can't jump anymore. And so I think that's a great analogy for what the show is, is again, to try and facilitate the discussions around people going back to their organizations and, and had and bring smart people around diverse group of smart people and saying, Hey, how does, how is this going to hit us? For instance, and you talked about earlier, you know, uh, healthcare and how healthcare and it, how it shifts is something that people need to think about it, it, For me, it's, it's almost that people need to get even more curious and, and not go into this having the expectation that they're going to have the answers right away. It's actually in the discussion of bringing smart people together, both from inside their organization and maybe even a consultant from the outside um, who, you know, in our first show, we talked about that with JT, uh, getting someone with a little bit more expertise to come in and be a consultant to help you look at your organization and uh, be thinking about what changes need to be made. What are your thoughts on that? Um, that's what converts innovation into solutions. And that's what's really important is being able to focus on what needs to be done. I love the idea, the, the concept of boiling the frog. You, you, you elevate and uh, accelerate the, the temperature of the company by bringing in the right expertise and the right resources and build on that and slowly because that's the nature of things. Yes, we want to go faster, but, but slowly those pieces come together. Uh, you get some outcomes from those pieces. And from that, you wind up with a solution. You get that solution in front of the right people. You get the right people saying, yes. They say, okay, what's it going to cost me? You say you come to a price point that you agree to. And then you get more people agreeing to that price point. And all of a sudden, you have a business and that's where that spark of innovation becomes something that's tangible. And where do you think that, where do you think organizations can step in and begin to create more of a culture of innovation than they currently have? In certain instances, they already are. Uh, most of the big medical companies, health companies, from pharmaceutical companies uh, are building incubators. Uh, you look at Johnson & Johnson with their J-Labs. Um, you look at uh, all the other guys now that, that have uh, internal uh, incubators. You also look at the fact that they are building venture funds and pools of, of money that can go in behind the various innovations that they see and say, okay, we want to back that. And we want to take that forward. Uh, but the point is, is in many cases, and this is positive, they, the innovator comes in with a concept, they work under that umbrella uh, in that environment, they've got all the resources within that environment, uh, but the company that is sponsoring it only goes so far. You've got to prove yourself out and then they make a decision, do they want a first right of refusal? 
which is a good thing because it gives you a chance to open up the market to those that are that are beyond and direct competitors to the one that may be sponsoring you. So when you talk about innovation, you know, and we talk about, we really sort of need this combination of skill sets, but where do you see the, the people that may not be as technically savvy fitting into supporting these industries uh, to, and to stay relevant? That is a really good question. And that probably is the most important question of the whole uh, segment, I guess. Um, you need those people. You need people that can do what's unfortunately grunt work, but they are expert at doing that. So you need those. You need the people that have the expertise in being able to find you funding. You need people with the expertise of being able to give you marketing support. You need your CPAs and your legal supporters. Um, You've got to protect your intellectual property. So all those support areas are still relevant and in many ways even more relevant uh, than they have been in the past. Okay, fantastic. So this has been great. I now have to put you through sort of my lightning speed round of questions, which are fun. I ask them to everybody who comes on the show as we wind down, no pressure. Uh, here we go. One thing you love about technology. That it advances the humankind. One thing you dislike about technology. That we're afraid of it. If you could have a robot do anything for you, what would it be? Make my coffee in the morning. <laughs> what, will, what will people do if they don't work in 30 years? That one's a hard one um, for a lightning round. Yeah. Play golf, sail. We know what you're going to be doing, right? Sailing. Uh, if people want to learn more about you, where should they go? Uh, they could go to my LinkedIn page. They can um, check out uh, my Twitter page um, at Mammoth Health. Uh, and they can definitely check out mammothhealth.org. So it's been uh, great having you on the show. I know that people probably really enjoyed listening to hearing about uh, self-driving cars, where we're headed, sort of giving themselves some expectations to think about talking about healthcare, looking at how businesses are going to have to shift, circle the wagons, talk about the impact, you know. So, unfortunately, we're all out of time this week, but hopefully we've energized you on a Monday and for the rest of the week as well. It's been an amazing episode of our series, Preparing for Robots. Check this out. Dealing with human workplace conflict, communication, emotional intelligence, creative problem-solving leadership, these are the abilities and the skills that humans are going to have to show and really prove their ROI into the future. If you have questions uh, or you want us to see your comments about the show, please send them to questions at synergydt.com. That's synergy at dt.com. Questions at synergydt.com. Sorry. Tune in next week for our show where we might look at the impact of digital on crisis management, the future of work, the financial services industry, higher ed, and maybe what people making above and below $40,000 a year should be considering in this digital revolution. Wishing every human on the planet a great day today and a jump start to the rest of your week. You've been listening to Preparing for Robots and the Voice of America Business Channel. I'm your host, Dave Gerber. I love you, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Preparing for Robots. 
Join Dave Gerber next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy the week.